This episode is presented to you by Rec Broadheads. If you're in the market for a new broadhead for this upcoming season with unprecedented accuracy that flies true to a field point, check out Rec Broadheads. It's a father-son company. It's probably made right here in the US of A. They'll be adding a couple new weights this year for those of you who like a little bit more weight up front. If you guys want to save a little bit of money on your next purchase, use code ORIGINHUNT over at recbroadheads.com. What's up, guys, and welcome back. You are listening to episode number 26 of the Origins of the Hunt podcast. This week, I sit down with Jace Allen. Jace is a Missouri resident, but hunts a lot of through the uh, the Midwest, chasing whitetails. He's uh, he's had a, a lot of success, uh, including, I think it was 2021, he put down three bucks in uh, in 20 days. And then I guess his, his most recent name to fame, you know, I guess you could say, would be when he put down his Boone and Crockett there in, in Kentucky. And that thing, uh, that thing is an absolute monster uh, it's actually the video just came out last week on the lone wolf custom gear um, youtube channel so definitely check that out man it was a roller coaster of a of a hunt and we briefly talked about it on on the episode but uh, on if you watch the video it's just i mean we all know the the outcome of the video um, obviously by by knowing that he he did take the boot and crockett and uh but just between hunting it with uh with with a lot of pressure around him another guy actually hit the hit the deer in the antler chase told me last week and that was uh that was the blood that they were tracking and it come to find out it was not going to be a fatal hit the, the, they had a dog in there you know tracking it so jace went back in a couple weeks later and he he uh, he hunted the deer the same way he hunted it the, originally and it paid off i mean deer was doing pretty much the same thing Jace, uh, he he was very patient with this deer, and he made the move th- at the right time, and he was able to able to get a shot off and and take that deer. Uh, and and just talking to Jace and watching the video, he, he comes across as kind of a mild mannered, cold, calm, and collective kind of guy. But man, once that once that arrow was released, he watched that buck tip over. He let loose, and and rightfully so. I, you can definitely tell his heart's in 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 the right place with with hunting. And it was just, it was awesome to see the whole thing unfold on the video. Like I said, that is on the Lone Wolf Custom Gear YouTube channel. You guys definitely want to check that out. And uh, we talk about a couple other things, you know, we, we, we go over how he's going to start running trail cameras this year. Uh, it's, it's something new for him. He's, he, he, he's kind of been a, a hunter who likes to get it done fast and see how many how much he can accomplish and he's kind of pulling it breaks back and and what i would say is like you get the maturity in your in your hunting life where in your i guess your hunting career to where you start out wanting to shoot a lot of deer just put the deer down as many as you can and then you kind of you start climbing the age class and then you want to see how many deer you can you can take in a year by you know traveling state to state and then you know these guys that are or, or hunt down one specific buck that is that seems to me is like the the fifth stage of of hunting careers as you may say and i think that's kind of maybe where jace is at but he's he's like i said he's gonna start using some cameras and really honing in on these deers uh their their core areas and i think to, to hunt one specific buck you can't just you can't be lazy about it you got to be all in on that deer and man it's a it's a definitely a, a tough thing to do and you know to stay 
to stay on one deer and to figure it out. And I think that is probably the the ultimate challenge in whitetail hunting is just to be that that dedicated and uh, that patient with with that whole process. Uh, you know, another thing we talk about is is late season hunting. Jace made a very good point to me, which I definitely I have one property in, in uh, on on my mind when when he brought it up with. Most people are hunting late season with chasing that food. And that's kind of where they, I mean, it's not not out of the box to say chase the food in the late season. That's what the deer need. That's where they go. They kind of become more patternable. But uh, he's going back to a lot of these pressured, pressured areas that he hunted earlier in the season that, you know, the deer that he may have been hunting got blown out of there and got bumped to another property because, like Chase told me, other deer on other properties get the same pressure and they have to go somewhere as well so if that that property you were on is what held a good deer before there's no no stranger to say that you know a satellite deer from a mile away might not move in and make a home so you're you're getting a pretty much a free or you know a fresh slate when it comes down to the late season and, and i know after after the season's winding down you're you're beat up by not putting a tag on a deer yet i think that's that's something that it, it could lift your spirits, you know, thinking about it that way and uh, give you a new challenge. So uh, remember, guys, if you are liking what's going on here at the Origins of the Hunt, please leave a five star rating as well as written review and a follow wherever you're tuning into your podcast. Uh, it's greatly appreciate it and helps me know where I am with you guys and how I can keep on doing what I'm doing. Thank you guys all for the continued support and let's get to it. All right, guys, this week we are joined by Jace Allen. Jace, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, give us a little background? Sure. My name is Jace Allen. Right now I film for Lone Wolf Custom Gear. Uh, I was originally born in Bonterre, Missouri. Um, hunted a lot in the in the bigger timber, big woods, big hills of, uh, of southern Missouri. Then um, 2014, I moved away from my hometown to go to college and whenever I moved to college, there was uh, quite a bit of public land around my college town. So I started, I started poking around some public a little bit. My older brother, he had went to the same college and he, uh, he kind of showed me some stuff around and, um, and I just kind of started hunting it. I was still hunting the private that I, you know, did whenever I grew up, like during rifle season or whatnot. But, um, Hunted off the ground, didn't didn't uh, get into the tree stand until I got really upset uh, seven years later after I hadn't <laughs> killed one yet. And uh, hunted with a recurve for three years on the ground during that time. Um, killed a couple deer, uh, missed some really big ones. Um, let's see, and then uh, it was kind of like, what was it, January of 2020. Um, a month before that in December, I picked up a tree stand for the first time uh, in a compound bow again. And uh, in January of 2020, I shot my first deer out of a out of a tree. And then this has been you know the 2021 season, and then last season. Um, so it's been so it's been fun. I started going out of state also uh, a couple couple years ago. Um, after I got my Missouri Missouri tags filled in, in 2020. So it's been a couple of years, you know, I'm kind of working on the out-of-state hunting thing. Um, I just hunted Illinois, uh, Kentucky, Nebraska, 
out of state as of as of right now. Cool. When you go to these out of state hunts, uh, are you making like pre like summer scouting trips when you go out? Or are you uh, you just trying to get there a little early, or are you you just going in blind to these places? So it's kind of been a mixed bag. Um, I tell you what, I've been really bad to do in the past is to look at a bunch of maps um before i go somewhere and it's like i don't even know what the heck this place looks like and i'm trying to draw conclusions just based (laughs) on that so what i did and this is that's like kind of how i did illinois and i kind of feel like it was just like a way over complicated process um did find success there in 2021 in the in the late season um you know, after I had hunted enough to actually, you know, gain the experience to know what the heck that you were actually doing in there. But um, for the Kentucky out-of-state trip, I showed up there the day before season opened, and I hadn't looked at a map or had done anything before that. And the evening before season, uh, the guy that was a little more familiar with the property, he showed me around a little bit and from there i was i was off on my own and you know it's season and you know it's time to figure out you know where those you know where where the deer are like you know right right now right was kind of my whole thing was kind of my whole thing there so that's that's how that kentucky hunt went yeah are you uh are you running any cameras when you go out just like i mean i don't know how long you're going out for but I know a lot of guys like they'll get there the first day and they'll hang a couple cameras and then scout around and then like you know a day or so later check a camera. Yeah, so I don't personally run any cameras right now. Uh, I've put like two or three out in my life, which by the way that is going to change uh, starting next year because I've seen here recently um, what trail cameras can do uh, for your knowledge of deer and it's absolutely incredible but aside from that um the deer that i was hunting down in kentucky or the couple of deer that i was hunting in kentucky the guy that was more familiar with the property he had trail cameras out so he did that whole thing um and that's how we knew those those deer were around and then basically kind of what i did was i got like a general pattern for the whole area and then i took it to where i knew those deer were and then started to you know put in work in that you know specific area that those couple of deer were in right i'm seeing a lot of guys now which i guess i'm just not quite there yet in my trail camera i mean i've always ran trail cameras but i was i was bad for putting them out in the same areas almost every year and just i was relying on them way too much and i was just kind of hoping that the right deer would walk by and coming to find out like these guys are hanging multiple cameras within like a 20 yard bubble and they're catching completely different deer using that trail than this trail and the other thing is these guys are uh, talking to more and more of them who are just they're finding an area they want to hunt in like a year or two and they're just letting those cameras do all the homework for them and they'll go back in and check them at the end of the year Jot down all the data, all the historical data from that year, do it again next year. And then that third year they go in and they're just, they're, they're on the mature deer then because they've, they've scouted for two years without necessarily boogering up these areas. 
Right. Well, yeah. it's 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 kind of incredible because there was a there was a trail camera that was around around here where I live, and me and my buddy we hunt this um, we hunt this piece of property, and it was a trail camera that was forgotten, but not soon to be forgotten. <laughs> um, so I'd had a run in like a hundred and fifty five inch nine pointer, uh, just like November the sixth. This buck was bedded up on a on a point in the woods um, in some thick stuff, and I thought I called. Uh, I knew he was going to come off that point and and do a hook, and I thought he was going to use the cover to to hook because I knew there was a scrape um, that was back behind me that I knew he wanted to get to. So basically, like the point was here, the deer was bedded here, and I was like over in here with the wind going like this um you know wind going right with the point so he didn't do what he was supposed to he didn't use the cover to hook that point he actually got out to the furthest piece of cover on that point and then instead of you know using the cover he wanted to set check things more mm-hmm. and so what he did in order to set check things more was he needed to break in into the open so what did he do he broke cover and he ran to the next piece of cover. <laughs> literally ran to the next piece of cover that I was in and stopped, looked around. He was like, okay, everything's good. And he took a couple more steps and he caught my wind. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't expect that one, but the trail camera thing was, I figured that deer left after he had that run in with me and he did, but from this trail camera that we had forgotten about, that deer showed back up there on Christmas and he was there throughout the end of the season, which whenever it comes to like me and like, you know, there's ag properties around here and then there's properties where there's no ag. Mm-hmm. And this was a property where there wasn't any ag and, you know, there's ag within a mile of it. So I figured, you know, Oh, a lot of these deer, they'll probably just, you know, like go out to the crop fields and that's where they'll spend the winter time. What no, I was wrong. <laughs> I was so wrong. <laughs> I, and, and it just, it's just like, you know, unless I was there, you know, in person, you know, having those experiences, you know, I would have never known. And it's just like now, you know, I see the, I see the use and the power of these trail cameras, which has given me that knowledge that just, just simply the knowledge that that deer is there. Like that's what I need, like now you know, kind of coming up through my hunting and learning about stuff and whatnot, because it's just like, if I know a deer is in a, is in an area, I know what, you know, mature buck sign, you know, looks like, but I'm telling you right now, I cannot tell you what a deer scores based off what kind of rubs it leaves. Right. Uh, it's like, you know, that, that deer that I was just talking about that, that nine pointer that I, that I ran into all of his rubs were super low on the ground. And I saw that whenever I was going in there looking for sign, but it was just like, okay, these are like big aggressive rubs. Like, you know, even if they're low on the ground, like I don't, I don't care. Now that I have that trail camera, I know his rubs were low because E ones were pointed backwards. Right. And so you had to get low on the ground to rub stuff. So it's just like, I don't know, the amount of knowledge and, and, you know, perspective that, 
you know, can be gained, you know, from just, you know, knowing where a deer is, you know, knowing where a deer is it, because that's one of the things I've struggled with for, you know, so long. Um, so I guess, a I guess a long, long answer there. I can't remember what you asked me. Um, oh, if you were like, when you get to those out of States, if you were using any cameras while you were yeah. on trips and right. So I guess short answer, I will be, um, I haven't yet. I don't, I, I won't for Kentucky. Um, that'll just be something that I show up, you know, the day before season and, you know, just kind of get to it. But for like places like, you know, Illinois or you know, like other States that I want to you know do it in or around here, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be using them for sure in the future. Is that your Kentucky hunt? Uh, is that a velvet hunt? Yes. Yeah. Was that, mm-hmm. Have you ever shot a velvet down there? I've not. So I only I only hunted it last year. That was the first time that uh, I was actually the second time I've ever even been in Kentucky. Um, one time was a completely unrelated thing. Um, but nope, never never shot a not never shot a velvet buck. I shot it one in Missouri one once upon a time. But yeah. when's your when's your guy's opener in Missouri? Uh, opener in Missouri is September the fifteenth. Okay, so you're you're a little bit earlier than us. We usually are the first Saturday, and it's actually the of October, and we're yeah. I think September thirtieth this year. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it falls. It's not like nothing crazy. It's just, I mean, last year I think it was October first or, or something like that. So it wasn't like not like we're gaining a week. Some people see that September and then they're like, oh man, we gained a week. I'm like no. Yeah. We really didn't because it was like October first last year, so we didn't gain anything. And we were, uh, well, I think we're probably the only state in the United States that you can't hunt Sundays. Uh, they've been teasing us for the past couple of years. They'll be like, they're like, you have one Sunday in archery, uh, one in rifle, and I f- think one in bear season. Mm-hmm. Th- maybe one in turkey. It might be one in turkey. But they give you like three Sundays to hunt. Uh, I'm like, we have a half a million hunters and a, a very high deer population. Like, why are we not adopting more hunting? Yeah, that's odd to me. Yeah, especially for, for like the working guys. I mean, it's hard to get out. You're working, working a lot of hours with families and you get mm. Saturday and you have to either have to save up that PTO and and take your vacation time. and. Yep. And if not, then you're you're limited. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah, balance. That's the only way you can do it. I mean, and I got another son coming in September, so I really gotta I'm really gonna be juggling this year. So I've been relying like I said, I I, I used to rely way too much on trail cameras. Mm-hmm. And I got out of the whole I used to like really zero in on one deer. Yeah, and be like, I gotta kill this deer. I was, I was literally eating tag soup because of it. And I mean, it mm. was just, it was more. I wasn't a mature enough archery hunter. I was, mm. I was getting, I wasn't breaking it down on why they were there, when they were there, mm. and I was getting a lot of like early September pictures. And I'm like, I was just assuming that, oh, just because they're not on that camera, they're still on the property somewhere. Well, that's what right. I was thinking at least. And yeah. now I know. That they were they were they were shifting with the food sources, and I've mm-hmm. now realized that they're there all summer, and mm-hmm. 
as soon as they, but I'll, there's usually a couple of them that end up coming back during the rut. It's just like, it's their home. But right. when I was in there hunting, they wouldn't be there, you know, first, mm. second week of October. And then I would mm. just, I would jump ship. I would mm. bounce some properties, trying to hunt down something worth shooting. And then you hear about one of the deer you were, you know, watching or had on camera get shot like 80 yards away from your, your property. Like, fucker came back. Yeah, that's, that's been a tough one for me to kind of, you know, figure out as well. Cause that, that piece that I was talking about, it's like, I thought that's what all those deer went. Like they were there for, you know, acorns and, you know, part of the rut and, you know, in October and whatnot. And then, you know, rifle season hits and they'll leave. And I just assume that everything left until, you know, October the next year. Right. Are you, uh, uh, are you zeroing in on any bucks? Like, is that something you do? You get like a target buck or are you just looking for like the, the mature deer out there? So what I've done most of my life and up until, uh, well, up until last year, actually, uh, cause 20, let's see, 2021, um, what I really, really, really wanted to do is just see like, you know, how quickly, basically like how quickly can I get it done? And I wanted to do early season. I want to do rut and I wanted to do late season. And in, let's say I hunted for 20 days and I killed those three deer. And after that, it was just like, you know, this is kind of a, kind of an odd one to think about but it's just like i i want to hunt longer mm -hmm. and so in order to hunt longer you have to choose something that's hard to do and that used to be the recurve for me but i uh i wounded too many deer with that and i like i like putting good clean ethical kills on deer so it goes back to the compound so what's what's the next thing how do you hunt longer well hunt one deer so yeah be selective you, be selective it's a hell of a lot harder to do <laughs> and you know, that keeps me you know out in the out in the woods longer it is i'm telling you what it is a lot more stressful game <laughs> whenever you got you know one that's out there or even you know two like being kentucky last year like on day you know it was 18 or 17 or 18 one of those days like I thought one of the deer I was hunting got killed and it was just like, Oh my God. I, and it was the one that I had in range for like, you know, 15 hours over five different encounters. And, and I was just like, I went from like here, it was like, you know, everything was going well, or at least I thought so. And then it's like that deer is like, Oh no, I'm pretty sure that deer's dead. So I was like down here and then it's like, Oh no, he actually missed that deer's still around. And then <laughs> Yeah, the, the roller coaster of archery hunting. Gosh, it is an absolutely heart wrenching game. Um, you know, chasing after a, a specific deer, but uh, but it is fun. There's a, there's a lot that I'm that I'm still learning um, about it because I've just been doing it here. Well, you know, pretty much pretty much last year, and you know, I chased I chased around a couple specific deer um, in Missouri. Could have easily come out um you know last year having a having another year where i killed two boon and crockets that was that was my goal after i killed that first one of course i wanted a second one and the first one that i chased around that deer is is still around but he's, he's just like 
that deer is just such on another level. It's just like I almost don't even want to. I don't even <laughs> want to take some because it's like after like I spent basically all October, all of December, and then most of January just simply looking for that deer. And I am very confident that that deer doesn't even know who the hell I am. So I wasn't right. even close. Right. Um, and then there was another um, specific deer that I was uh, trying to chase around during November. Um, and I was, I was like dead even on, you know, being like, you know, caught up in the game with that deer, but I wasn't ahead of him. I was just like right even with him. And, uh, he moved and I didn't know where he moved to because I didn't know that area that well at the time. And, you know, like I said, I didn't know where he moved to. So I assumed that he left, but. Luckily, I had a buddy that had a trail camera in there, and in late November, guess who's there? Uh-huh. And guess where I'm? I'm in Illinois, <laughs> passing up that shooter that I was telling you about before we started recording. Yep. Um, yeah, so not yeah. too many people I know are passing up a 140-inch deer. <laughs> there is, uh, I, I, especially my one buddy, Austin, there is this, um, there is this 150-inch eight-pointer in Kentucky that I passed one day and I thought my buddy was about to say, come <laughs> but, uh, but it turned out, it turned out well, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. That, what, we were talking before we recorded not, that Bucky shot last year and it was an absolute tank. I mean, it, it was Boone and Crockett, right? I mean, it, it, it scored up there. If you had to pick, I don't want to just narrow it down to because you've hunted multiple states before. I guess I don't want to narrow the question down to just Kentucky. But if you had to pick one week, do you think there's one certain week that if you had one week to pick to hunt and you had to put down your best chance to put down another Boone and Crockett this year, what week would you pick and why? (laughs) Okay, so – my normal answer to that question as far as like what time of year is going to be best for, for killing a mature deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like last year, my answer would have been, um, you know, first week of season and last week of season. Okay. Those are two most consistent things, but because of this other deer that I was chasing around during November last year, um, I mean, if you, if you know where a specific deer is spending like, you know, late October, you know, early November, um, then that's a really, really, really good time to, good time to kill them. And that is the, that is the time. If I'm trying to chase that deer around again this year, I mean, that's, that's going to be the time to kill them. It's probably going to happen, you know, this last couple of days of October, you know, whenever he starts loosening up and, you know, goes around and starts looking for does. Yep. Um, as far as me getting after that deer earlier late season, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's there or not. Um, but I, I'm going to say generally, if you're, if you're talking about Missouri, your first week of season is going to be, you know, that's going to be your best chance at getting a big one. Um, you know, before they, before they move elsewhere, while these deer are still on, uh, you know, some summer patterns. Yep. Um, that's gonna be that's gonna be your best chance. Yeah, that's and what I, I've always kind of heard. Mm-hmm. And it kind of 
kind of, I mean, it, well, it messed up my Missouri early season because I didn't make it back here to Missouri until it was a, until it was already a week in the season. And so I got a late start on the deer that I was trying to hunt. Like I said, by the time I had, I, by the time I found where he was holding up, which was a cornfield, the next time I came back, they cut a cornfield. So, yeah, kind of. It just kind of is what it is. Yep. Yeah, I've I've always heard and found a lot of truth to that. If you can, if you can pattern a deer, the first week is always seems mm -hmm. like that's the best time to kill them because they're still they're relaxed, they're comfortable, they're not they're not all horned up yet, so they're mm -hmm. they're still thinking you know straight. But I yeah. I agree with you. My I like like the eighteenth through the twenty fifth i would say is where mm -hmm. i've killed I, I think i shot my buck on the 27th last year but every mm -hmm. almost all my bucks have came in that in that window because like you said they start they start getting curious and that's it's enough to keep them local but right. it's it's enough to get them on their feet once right. like november hits and i've seen them travel a mile and a half away overnight it seemed, you know what i mean just because they're yeah. like i said they're all horned up and they got one thing on their mind. I got. You said that the last week of season. What are you seeing so consistent about the last week? So the last week of season, after you know the gun season's over, and you know you go throughout December, and our season ends on January the fifteenth. There's a there's a couple of reasons that I like late season. One, everything's starting to shift back towards food, starting mm -hmm. to get on pattern. Yeah. Uh, second thing I like is. Hopefully, if it's really, really cold, um, that keeps a lot of guys out of the woods. Um, and then the third thing is from like in Missouri, what what I've come up with, especially whenever I was like a weekend warrior um, here a couple couple years ago, it was the longest stretch of time in the in the deer season where the deer were relatively doing the same thing. So that would have been from you know, December 15th until January the 15th, you know, relatively the same thing is on their mind and they're going to be doing the same thing, you know, during that month's time. You go from September 15th, to October 15th, we know that's a big change. Mm -hmm. October 15th to November 15th, everybody knows that's, you know, a big change. And then, you know, on throughout, you know, whenever the late season starts, you know, it kind of in my mind, December the 15th, it really gives it really gives you a chance to go out and so like whenever i killed that my first buck out of a tree stand in, in 2020 um i had kicked that deer out of this uh of this bed that he had in this little bottom somewhere around december the 15th and then you know i had a month to chase that deer and um i ended up shooting them january the 14th in the morning um i was running out of time and basically um i just set up right over the top of where i saw that where i saw that deer bedded on that specific wind yep. i mean like, literally right over the top of the bed and uh i shot him at eight eight yards that morning so it's like was he coming back know, to his bed uh-huh yeah he's coming back to his bed that morning so you know, late season, you know, they think the pressure's off, 
um, you know, they start loosening up again. They start moving a little bit, a little bit more. And especially, you know, whenever these deer start shifting into different areas, you know, for, you know, uh, late season or, you know, because of food reasons. So like out there in, in Illinois, what I had, what I had found was the, like the place where there was probably more rut hunting evidence than I've seen any other place, which is trail cameras, broken arrows, uh, skeletons laying around, you know, uh, ladder stands. Okay, that all happened in November, but the deer that were there on January the 3rd, those deer weren't there in November. These deer right. were somewhere else, and now they've come here to use this for an entirely different reason than the deer that were here in November were. So I'm working with a clean slate you know, out there and it's deer that doesn't know that this area, you know, was getting pounded, you know, back in November. Yep. So you know, there's a lot of different, um, a lot of different reasons that I like late season. And, you know, the best scenario is, is, is if you can get some really, really cold, really, really harsh conditions out there, because that is going to force deer to do things that they don't normally do. You go in survival you know, mode. Yeah, they go into survival mode, which is basically, and it has to be pretty damn cold for this to actually happen, or, you know, a lot of snow. I've seen this happen, uh, you know, with 16 inches of snow on, you know, here in Missouri, I was out there, and it was like two hours before dark, and the very first buck out the field was just this giant, and, you know, I had a recurve, so I couldn't shoot him, he's too far away. Um but you know that's that's kind of the, the stuff that you can get into um, in late season, at least around here in this area. For what I've seen, you know, I try not to you know throw you know rules out there, you know, because right. I I don't I don't imagine those rules probably apply in Pennsylvania too well. Yeah, my, well, I kind of asked you that because I was I think I don't know if we were recording or not when I was we were talking about. Cause we, we, we were talked for a little, about a half an hour before we recorded. And I, I think we were talking about it, about my public land around here, how it's like, seems like the first week, first two weeks, you got everything to yourself. And the last two or three weeks, you have everything to yourself. And it is a lot. There are a lot of similarities because I, I go, I go to find the food, anything green that's left. Uh, and it, it seems like we only have once it's in January, it's like the ferns and, mm -hmm. uh, you might have some green briar that made it through, but mm -hmm. everything else is, is pretty much dead. So you're looking for, like, I'm looking for towards the end of like November, I'm trying to I find the roots that you can mm -hmm. see kind of exposed still. And, you know, you kind of pin those and they'll be digging those up and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going after the food, but one thing that you mentioned that it makes a lot of sense to me that I, I kind of overlooked, I guess, was I told you how, where I'm at, most of the public is small game. It seems like you get, you get deer hunters in there, occasional mm -hmm. turkey hunters, but it's a lot of small game and uh, pheasant hunters. And it seems like they either a push the deer to the farthest back part of that piece of property as they can, mm -hmm. or they they just completely blow out. And I'm I was always kind of waiting until that last you know late season, which for us is the day after Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I I always was just waiting for the deer to come back. And mm -hmm. and like you mentioned, it might be a completely different deer that doesn't even know. 
that property was ever actually harmed. They got blown out maybe of a completely different property. Right. So that kind of opens my eyes up to, I guess, scouting the scouting a, an area that I want to hunt, but also mm-hmm. I need to I need to open up that bubble, I guess, a little bit more and have a having a little bit more of an awareness of what could potentially be held up within i mean i guess really even within a mile of yeah. that property even if it's because i mean i have a lot that a lot of private i mean and a lot mm-hmm. of posted land around here so i mean even there's a lot of times i mean yeah i'll go on spotlight and i'll and i'll, I'll glass fields in the evening but i mm-hmm. i really got away from I guess it's overlooking the places where I knew I couldn't hunt. Yeah. And that, that might very well be a ticket to still do my homework on those deer because mm-hmm. like you, you mentioned that they, they could very well get blown out of there and they might end up on that piece of property that they have no idea what's there. They just yep. got scared to, you know, scared for the last got chased around by the orange army and they found yep. some food in a place where they thought they were safe. And, you know, I'm sure that if a deer's scared and hungry and they they come onto a new property, they know if other deer have lived there, I'm sure. I mean yeah. uh-huh. they they can they're scent, they're they they smell, they just visually they know. So I mean yeah. they might think, Oh well, a deer's lived here before, they're safe, you know, they, they were whatever reason, this or that. So yeah. I mean that's why I love I love podcasting because you can always learn something and and you know open your eyes to something just by yeah we don't hunt anywhere i mean kentucky's not too far away from me but just that looking at something like that i mean that very well could be the difference between me going out on glass in tomorrow evening and Mm -hmm. a property that like i said i i know i can't hunt but yeah i got one spot in mind and we talked about it how i i I screwed it up Mm -hmm. i I just got lazy that couple couple years ago on that uh that piece of public and i knew there was a good good buck that was living i didn't know what he was but i knew there was a, a decent buck living in that swamp and i just mm-hmm. got lazy i came i was supposed to, i wanted to j hook that point and come mm-hmm. in and the last like 40 50 yards i i just peeked up and over a little saddle and sure enough he he busted out of there and blew me but I, I, I keep coming back and thinking about that property when I'm when we're talking about that because there's a lot of posted property around that. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of potential to keep tabs on deer from the road. Mm-hmm. So I know yep. what I'll be I know what I'll be doing, taking the wife out for some ice cream and taking <laughs> the kid out for some ice cream and going glass and maybe the next couple of nights out that way. So like I said, that people get those posted properties and they're just they hold on to them like gold. Oh yeah, but you mentioned that you killed that buck at eight yards over a bed. Are you? Mm-hmm. Is that something you normally do? Are you a pretty aggressive hunter? Or are you more of like a, I guess you could you know, more of a tactical hunter? Do you wait, sit back and wait for for the right conditions, or are you kind of just all in? You know, I, I'm starting to think after some of the stuff that last year happened that um I, I tend to be more on the more on the aggressive side. And it's it's just like I was. So I'm I'm trying to think here because I I know I've screwed stuff up before, where it's just like I should have just like sat back and like just kind of like you know basically waited my turn, mm-hmm. and instead it's just like you know I go through there you know turn and burn and and you know n- nothing 
nothing works out. And it's just like, I know, I know now that like some of these, some of these places that I, that I hunt, you know, these deer, you know, they're not bedding in the same spots every single day. You know, they yep. might have, you know, like a three day circuit is, you know, something that I, that I saw sometimes, you know, last year. So it's just like, okay, you know, there's some, there's some spots that I know that I just need to sit there and let that spot work for me. But I would say in general, what's brought me the most ex- success is really aggressively, um, well, I guess just getting in there and, and getting after these deer and, you know, sometimes maybe I can be a little careless with my access and whatnot. Um, I'm trying to think, well, it's just like, so if I were thinking about how I, how I was to hunt, um, down there in, uh, Southern Missouri on, um, on that property, like basically, you know, the day or you know the day before rifle season i'm going to go down there and i'm going to walk as many uh ridges and points as i can and i'm going to look for for sign and i know well enough that those deer you know they bed in the in the bottoms around those points and you know main ridges and whatnot and then if i sit in the right spot up high where i can have the advantage of you know wind and access then i know eventually i'm going to get my get my crack at this at this deer it's just you know coming from one draw to the next right that would be how i would bow hunt it um if you put a gun in my hands i'm gonna have a lot different answer <laughs> right um but then it was just like you know kentucky uh last year you know with with these with these deer living living in beans it, it kind of seemed like an aggressive aggressive thing what I, what i was doing but like you know in one in one uh, scenario, it was just like, well, there's nothing else that you can do because there's no trees around where these deer are living. So you have no other choice but to stalk them. Now, whenever it comes to the stalking thing, I was a little bit slower than what I normally saw there. So like basically the cadence of, uh, of a day's hunt was, I would set up in my observation stand in the morning and I would see these deer get up do some kind of a bed shift lay back down and i know that after they lay down that second time you have about two to two and a half hours before these deer stand up again and if you're not in position ready to shoot whenever they stand up the next time then it's going to be a long day (laughs) so it was just like i i guess i don't really know what i would call like aggressive versus like you know non-aggressive like you know, I've killed plenty of deer off the field edges, but like, I, I really don't have like, you know, your traditional, you know, stand that you go to, you know, every single year. Um, you know, there's not a, you know, a field edge that I go to and, you know, hunt it for, you know, 30 days in a, in a row, you know, nothing, you know, nothing like that. So I, I, I guess in that sense, you could say I'd be, you know, a little more, a little more aggressive with, with what I do. And, and, you know, sometimes I try to, you know, predict, you know, which way these deer are going to come through, you know, before I even know. And sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, some, but, sometimes they use the, the cover. Sometimes uh, they haul it across the, <laughs> across the thicket. Yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a new one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like to consider myself more of a, 
I'm I'm starting to phrase it aggressively or tactically aggressive, uh, because uh, it's just I it's all situational. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's certain properties I hunt where I know you gotta almost sit back and let the deer do their thing, mm-hmm. and and come to you and just feel comfortable. And so a lot of the property that I hunt, especially private, is very small. Mm-hmm. So you can't really be aggressive. Because, like I said, private property seems to be pretty hard to come by. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to let anybody new on. And once you yep. get something locked down, you you don't want to, you don't, you just don't want to screw it up. And I've been hunting the same one property for, I think this is like the 18th year I've hunted it. And I've mm-hmm. killed every buck besides last year I've mm-hmm. killed on that property. And I've, I was never really too aggressive with it. Um, mm-hmm. Now that I started, you know, bit mobile hunting the past four or five years, I've definitely been more aggressive on it, and it, it hasn't hurt me. But I'm still, yeah. still picking and choosing how aggressive, how tactical. You know, right. I might have to loop around really, really far and come in a completely unconventional way mm-hmm. to hunt it. But it's, I'm still being aggressive, but it's, it's, it's concentrated of how, of how I am, but. Like when I'm on, like say I'm on public, it's the same way. I have to be tactical, mm-hmm. but I also have to be aggressive because, I mean, everybody, I don't know about where, where you're at. I'm sure you're seeing it too. People are getting smart. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much content out there now and everybody can read a map and yeah. you are, everybody wants to, you want to be the first person to, you want that first sit at your first sit's usually going to be your best sit on public, you know, on a good deer and everybody wants to be the first one there. But right. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of smart hunters and I don't, I've heard it go both ways where some people are kind of bitching about it and they're yeah. like, oh, well they're killing, there's too many, there's so much competition out there, blah, blah, blah. They're killing the deer I was after. I mean, yeah, that sucks and all. Don't get me wrong. I mean, everybody, yeah, it, it's competition. It's it's public land for a reason. But I'm starting to use it as my advantage because it's like having a it's almost like having a team out there. Because but the public hunting before really sucked when people weren't as smart and weren't as as, as thinking their process out as much. And they were they were just blowing out areas because they their access was poor and they just nobody cared. They were hanging stands the week before season and and doing all that kind of crap. And now mobile hunting is just it seems like everybody and everybody's doing it. So I think it's the hardest part is communicating with these hunters because everybody's like, oh, I can't can't let this person know, you know, what what's on this property. But I'm, I get that, but. I think it's it's also kind of helping us to a point where it's like I said, it's almost like a team, a team effort now where you know that I don't necessarily dread when I see a truck parked at a, a property anymore, especially if I see that if I don't see like if I see the same vehicle there like every day and it's not a very big property, I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna have to back out of there for probably the next season. But if if you're seeing like I, there's there's two trucks I see pretty regularly throughout the the public land around me, and they're usually not in the same spot. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of like early early to third first through third week of season. 
if I can't hunt that evening, say, I'll mm-hmm. take a I'll take a long way home and I'll just I'll go around all the parking lots to see who's who's there. And there's two yep. trucks that I see and I've never met these guys, but they they seem like they're hunting where I would hunt if I yep. were gonna be what you know, if I was gonna be hunting that night. So it makes you feel good and hopeful that maybe they are being strategic about it and, and they are getting smarter. Like mm-hmm. I mean, when you're going on an like out of state trip, how are you hunting these pressured? How are you hunting pressured property? Are you just hunting the hunters or? I mean, so in Kentucky, whenever I woke up opening day and this is my goal, I do the same thing with, uh, you know, with turkey hunting, you know, here, or around here is my first morning opening day. I am probably not going to be hunting. I'm going to figure out exactly where everybody is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I did in, in Kentucky. Um, the perspective for understanding what those deer were doing, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't quite there at that time, but, you know, basically it was, you know, what you were just talking about a, a second ago, which is everybody, you know, everybody wanted to go to their, you know, spot and, you know, every, and, you know everybody wanted to get there first. And, you know, I don't know this, this property. And, you know, the last thing I want to do is, you know, walk in on a, on a guy, you know, at daylight and then, you know, have to walk out and you'll be all frustrated and whatnot. I would just rather know where everybody is Mm -hmm. and just kind of go from there. So like, you know, with turkeys around here, you know, I'm not, I'm not hunting any specific kind of turkeys. So, (laughs) um, so I'll just fill in, you know, where, wherever it's necessary, wherever there's nobody, that's where I'm going. Um, so like with deer down there, um, what I noticed was, and this happens in Missouri, and I know this, I didn't know the same thing was going on there. So everybody was going through these fields that were either, you know, corn or soybeans, and they were hunting the woods. And let's see, it was like the, the third day or something. I, I was kind of filling in where the, where there wasn't, where there wasn't anybody. And this was before I went to the area where I knew these, these other deer were in. And I do exactly what everybody else did. I walked through the soybean field, a couple hundred yards over to the tree line. And I set up in a, in a place where I could, I could see out in this soybean field. I could also see my car. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, these deer are going to cut, you know, right through this, you know, piece of timber right here. But the thing I see in Missouri and the thing I saw next, which was all of the hunters are in the woods and the deer are where there's no trees. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in my kill slash observation set and I look out and about a hundred yards away from my car stands up this 140 inch eight pointer. And I'm just like, oh, okay <laughs> same same shit in missouri huh yep <laughs> yeah, deer, deer living right next to the road and it's just like at that point it's just like okay i've i've seen this before you know like i know how this goes so from then it's just like okay i you know that's mature deer you know obviously he's comfortable in what he's doing i had seen some other deer out there it's just like okay you know this is that's what these deer are are doing um this time so then i took it um to the area with all these 
were or where those bigger bucks were and also a lot of people because i was the 10th guy to hunt the deer that that i had killed and basically even what i what i did in in there is there was other people hunting the area and a couple of them were local guys and you know as long as you know someone's going to be there and be respectful you know i'm going to you know show the same kind of respect while there so right if you do get a hunter that's willing to communicate this kind of stuff which is really really nice and rare very uh, rare very rare i could just basically what i would do is i'd be like hey where are you hunting they're like i'm hunting right here and it's like okay i'll stay out of there you know no you know no sweat off my back and you know just showing you know the guys you know that kind of you know that kind of respect and then actually holding true to that because it you know it wasn't like i was trying to you know sneak in on them in there right in the spot and you know if i got if i got close to them you know i was like hey you know i'm hunting you know right here um and there was trail cameras all over that place so i i they got a couple of pictures of of me i wouldn't do it doing anything bad but it's just like hey what are you doing there? <laughs> i had <laughs> i had the same thing happen i this is why i have trust issues i said because I met a guy one morning. Uh-huh. I was getting ready. I had my back hatch over my Jeep up. I'm getting dressed. I see someone pulling. And honestly, I was there pretty pretty early. Mm-hmm. My thought first thing was it was game commission because mm-hmm. I was there a lot of the time. The game lands around me, the public land. They just, like I said, some are getting smarter. Some are still the old, we're going to come in 10 minutes after daylight and just uh-huh wander around until we find somewhere to plop down and i like look over and they just send their in their in the truck and i i could it was like i said it was dark i could just see the headlights i'm like i'm like all right so i'm starting to get my license out (laughs) he's gonna come over want to see all my stuff and i see uh i see the dome light come on and i look over and i see i see him putting his headlight on and everything i realized it was a hunter and he comes over and he's like oh man what's going on we, we were talking and uh, first thing i asked him i said where are you heading and he's like oh i was gonna i was actually gonna head up you know up this up there on this point go down oh okay i'm like cool man i was like i will uh i really kind of was going i had planned to go one of two directions when i got there i really didn't make up my mind yet it was more yeah. one of those things i wanted to see what the wind was doing when i got there and mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, you're going to go. He was kind of going like, we'll say 10 o'clock. I was yeah. like, all right, man. I was like, well, I got a spot, you know, kind of over this way, uh, about two, three o'clock. And mm-hmm. I actually had a place like like five o'clock that was completely opposite to him. But I was like, I'm going to head over like to this two or three o'clock. He's like, okay, man, well, I'll probably be out of the woods, you know, around 1030, 1130, you know, maybe we'll meet back up, see what we saw. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, luckily, I got in the tree before him because I'm getting up in the tree. And lo and behold, if I would have still been on the ground, I probably would have never known because of the way the terrain set. I'm, I'm up in the tree and I and I have uh, I'm, pre- I, I'm pretty comfortable with my setup. So I, I don't really use a light once I get at least once my platform set, I'm, I'm pretty good with just getting everything set up for the most part in the dark. And I mm-hmm. caught a glimpse of a light working the working the, the, the transition edge towards me. Yeah, nice. 
and I'm I'm watching, I'm watching, and I've obviously I didn't turn my light back on, and I can see him kind of looking up towards me, and I'm thinking, well, maybe it's someone came from the other side of the property, you know. Yeah. And here it got a little bit more daylight, and I could hear him over there. He was in a yeah. climber, so as soon as I heard the climber, I'm like, that that the dude is definitely carrying a climber, and yeah. he tried to. He walked the way he said he was going, but uh, it must have been as soon as I got out of sight or something, he must have just, he thought he was going to stay just, just upwind of me enough that I was, you know, that I wouldn't have ever seen him. Uh, and like I said, if I was on the ground, I probably would have saw him, but I was, yeah. I was probably 17, 18 feet in the air. And yeah. like I said, with the terrain, he would have been probably hidden, but and right. I never did. I, I, I guess I can't say it was him. But it was this coincidence, uh, maybe, that there was somebody that came from like 12 o'clock ish right towards me. And he had the climber. I could hear the climber setting up. And I'm like, dude, if you just, if you really wanted to hunt over here, I would have, I would have very easily just went to that five, six o'clock spot and completely avoided you. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of why I'm just like, I'm like, I'm almost the guy in the parking lot that's like, yeah, well, I, I, I don't know where I'm going and, and you almost yeah. have, just have to wait for them to get the whole way in. And then from now on, I mean, I, I kind of just go the opposite way. I don't, I, I tried yeah. to work with the guy. He seemed like he was a, a pretty good dude. And I'm not, I can't a hundred percent say it was him, but everything added up that yeah. it was him and he was yeah. great. And, and if he would have just said, like I said, if he would have been like, yeah, I mean, I was really was hoping to get a little closer to where you were going. I would have told him, all right, buddy, but the betting is right. Like you should have either hunted the 10 or the two because right. that 12 o'clock was where I guarantee he blew probably everything out of there because everything right. that I was seeing on that property for the past, I think I hunted that property like two times in the past 10 days, everything right. was filtering out of that, that red brush thicket. Right. If you would have just said something, I could have told you what I've been seeing. Right. Right. They tried to pull fast one on you, so yeah, it's yeah. it's it's shitty yeah. that we got to deal with that, but it yeah, is what I, it is. I usually try to avoid telling people where I'm where I'm hunting. I had one guy that was playing the same game I was one morning, and finally, it it turned out we were both going to the same spot, and like you know, usually I guess how it's supposed to work is like whoever gets there first, you know. You know, it's you know first first come first serve, but I guess he didn't you know see it that way because he was <laughs> back to his spot, and I was like, he was like kind of telling me like giving me little hints about where he was going, and then I was like, are you like are you planning on hunting this? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, well, I was planning on hunting it too. And then there was like an awkward silence, and I was like, I was like, you go in there, but I'm going to be close by, so. Yeah. So just so just stick right there, and then I went completely somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah, like I said, I was trying to work with the guy, but so I had a. I was just talking to to a guy I recorded with the other day about the same story that I had. This it was actually right across the road from. It would have been the six o'clock spot that I was talking about. It's across the road. Yeah. And I had a. I, I found a little shed there this year, and I put a put a camera up on that trail. And he wasn't the biggest, but he had like a big acorn on his G2. 
Hey, it was a cool little cool little buck. So I was I was trying to see if he developed in anything this year. You know, his probably I would guess here I'd put him about probably about 120 inch deer this year, and which Pennsylvania that's a pretty pretty good deer, especially on public land. Yeah, and I uh, I went in probably beginning of June, I think, just to make sure the batteries and everything the SD card switched SD cards and. And because uh, a lot of these times, like it got real cold after I put that camera up, and I run cheap cameras just because I get seems like somebody's gonna help themselves to one or two a year. So right. I'm not putting out anything crazy special. It's just the Tascos from Walmart, and right. I uh, yeah. Sometimes the batteries don't hold up. Sometimes they just don't work. So I, I like to check them. Every, you know, every so many months, and I went out and checked the card, and I get home and I'm looking through it. And I, uh, I see this girl walk by, and I'm like, with a purse. So all pretty strange, just out walking through the, you know, the edge of a thicket with a purse on. Like yeah. five minutes later, another picture of her walking, the same direction. I'm like, well, that's that's really odd. And like maybe she lost or something, you know. And it was probably like ten minutes later. Here comes a dude in camo coming from the direction she came from, and he's holding the shed, like holding it up to the camera. And I was like, "Ah, I got the matching set!" <laughs> like, so <laughs> he had his girlfriend out walking around with them, and they were just yes. making little circles around uh, that bedding area. And I was like, "All right, man." So that gave me hope that there are some, there is a good dude out there running around. That's like, you know, he's not. It wasn't. It wasn't like he found a seventies in shed. You know, right. it was it was the matching set, and like, yeah. there's a lot of people that are gonna be like, run the other way when they find you know, now forty five inch shed, if right. that you know, if a, you know, if that, right? And, and like he was like like kind of showing me like, hey man, I found a shed. And I'm like, okay, well you showed me that there, that you know you found the shed and you didn't you didn't screw with my stuff, right? And like it gives me hope that there are some uh, some respectable people hunting on the same properties as, oh, as I am. yeah but you know hunting you know pressured land you know you're always going to get those guys that aren't you know respectful oh, yeah. and I, I definitely had my fair share of of that in kentucky and you know that, i guess that's just kind of something that you know comes with hunting public land is there's going to be some guys out there that you know think it's are, theirs they think it's their property they think it's theirs and they would rather spend the time making sure that you are unsuccessful rather than spending the time, you know, to making sure that, that they are successful. So, you know, you, you have those kind of people on yep. you know, pre pressured ground, you know, the best thing that, you know, you know, guys can do, you know, hunting around, you know, high pressured areas is, you know, try, try your best to, to hide from people because, you know, that's, you know, that's part of the game. You know, as much as I hunt people, like you were saying earlier, you know, I, you know, I'm very, I'm very aware that, you know, people are also, you know, looking where I'm, where I'm hunting too, because, uh, you know, you park your car in the same spot for 17 days in a row and, you know, people <laughs> start you know, noticing some things. It, there was, there was a one spot I talked to you, I think we were before we recorded about that one it was probably the only actual what I consider good, good deer I was ever on on public. Mm -hmm. I was hunting that property, like I said, a, for a few days. And I, the one time I actually had my wife drop me off, like mm -hmm. pick me, actually she picked me up from down the road in my, in my Jeep, dropped me mm -hmm. off there, went and did her thing. 
came back through, picked me up and took me back. Cause I, it was one of those things. I'm like, if anybody catches wind, yeah, it's going to be, I'm going to be screwed. Up. And I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sit here and say that I won't talk to people in public. Like I will, but I'm not going to go out of my way to like right. run somebody down and be like, how's it going today, man? Like, like I'm, I'm still going to like hide behind a tree <laughs> if I can. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, just hiding from people, you know, whether that's getting, you know, dropped off or you know, walking a mile up the road. I'll say what? Or like walking a mile up the road. Like I've yeah, parked somewhere off the road, you know, give them, you know, giving them the old, uh, oh, uh, I'm trying to think of the, think of the word. Uh, I'll give them the old switcheroo, like, yeah. you know, on the left side of the road and go over to the right and, you know, stuff. Yeah stuff like that you know all you know you know things for hunting pressured ground where you know there's a bunch of people and you know there's competition you know you got to be kind of stealthy but it is kind of it is kind of nice going out of state and getting to experience somewhere where it's not like my home where it's not my home turf because like on my home turf it's like I see people there. Oh God, I'll—I don't even know who these people are. And I'll just, you know, cuss them out, you know, under underneath my breath. And you right. know, who the hell is this guy? And, you know, he's killing my deer and and whatnot. It's just like, you know, I got to go out of state last year, and I got to be—I got to be the guy that was the, you know, that was the imposter. I was just like, I had nothing to lose. You know, I wasn't trying to hide anything. You know, I wasn't trying to, you know, guard anything or you know, like not be seen. You know right. some which i do all the time you know here around my hometown um it's kind of gotten annoying but and you know people figure out where you are anyways mm-hmm. I, might have to, I might have to change rigs here soon yeah <laughs> i'm the same way i had yeah. roof racks on my jeep and i had a sticker on my jeep and i took everything off two yeah. years ago because like people were like oh i saw your jeep parker I'm like what I'm like oh yeah right. i got the roof racks on got that little turkey feather on your dash i'm like what the fuck how did you even know that like yeah everything like yeah i think i'm just gonna like like lee ellis does go rent a car like <laughs> run up on a key of soul or something i saw i saw it on his instagram the other day he got like a, a pizza a delivery pizza thing he stuck on the top of his truck when he was out out scouting so people didn't know they didn't look at him for the wrong way say <laughs> Someone like that with that big of a following, I mean, you could yeah. I can only imagine like some of these guys that are very big in like YouTube or even have very big followings on social media. Like mm-hmm. I'd be afraid. Like they put their their pictures of their vehicles on social media. I'm like, yeah. I deal with with shit, and I'm nowhere near that. I'm like, I can, like you don't think if somebody drives by and sees that white Silverado in the area you hunt, like they're mm-hmm. gonna be like, oh well. I know so and so's in here. Right. I don't know. Braver right. than I am. Right. But Jace, I got another a question to wrap it up with. Your top three dream hunts. No money, no 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 restrictions. What are they where are they what are they and where are you going? Mm, let's see. Top three dream hunts. Well, let's see. Number Number one, it's always been kind of the bo- top of the bucket list, and that is to kill a damn velvet deer. Haven't done that. Got close last year, very close. Um, hopefully, I'll get a velvet buck this year. 
that'd be one. And then let's see. I'm trying to think. Because just like I imagine, you know, some people will tell you, you know, like other game species as well, you know, yeah. like, you know, things are paired and stuff like that. I, I'm not really too too big on that. Um, you know, the out west thing, you know, it's it's fine. You know, I've hunted mule deer a little bit, you know, it's it's fine, but you know, whitetails they just kinda have the you know, they just kinda have the heartstrings to themselves. Um, catfish too lately apparently, but <laughs> um let's see so i'd have to go i mean kentucky is a is a dream hunt for me to for me to go on and you know something to you know experience like that um can't wait to do that again so luckily i've already experienced one of those um let's see top three i would say i mean you know if anybody doesn't say iowa you know, like, <laughs> yeah. slapped upside the head. You know, so I guess I'm gonna say Iowa, and then um, not specifically in this order, but the other one's going to be uh, Canada whitetail. Okay, yeah. I, I would love to go up to like the Alberta bow zone up there and get after some some Al some uh, Alberta whitetail up there. That would be oh man, that would be cool. I would love to do that. Yeah, that's that's actually some that's not an answer I've heard yet. That's uh, nobody's and it's something that I mean Yukon Moose is is up there up for me and yeah. almost everybody that I've talked to is yeah. uh is 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 throwing a Yukon Moose or, or something like that but I guess I overlook the the whitetail up there cuz they are they are freaking big. Like yeah. just body wise, they always seem to have those like the Saskatchewan bucks always seem to have like those big chocolate heavy racks and that might oh, yeah. be something i might have to change my three around because I, I mean i'm in pennsylvania canada's mm -hmm. not too far away from me <laughs> not really far away i mean yeah. it's something that you know i i watched a couple of shows you know growing up as a kid you know them talking about like you know the milo hansen buck you know mm -hmm. saskatchewan and and whatnot and you know you know you know huge alberta whitetails and whatnot and then you see a couple of hunts of you know guys in the bow zone and, you know there's you know wolves also you know going around the same woods and it's kind of you know a little a little extra dangerous but you know the deer are also a little bigger and you know i've never i've never been up there before but um you know chasing chasing around deer in new territories and that's about the wildest one that i can think of mm -hmm. um you know, other than if you're hunting like the Appalachians or the Adirondacks, sorry, in mm -hmm. New York. Right. Uh, that's some pretty wild shit up there too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, got, know, I, sorry. I got a buddy that lives up like New York, uh, PA border. Mm. And that's something he works in both States back and forth. And mm. that's something I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll get to it this year. Like I said, yep. with a with another little one coming first week of September, yeah, it's it's just gonna be hard. Like I said, I love I love chasing deer, and mm -hmm. and but I I also love being a parent too. So yep. as much as my wife has sacrificed in the past for you know letting me hunt and do all that, I think I'm just gonna try to maybe I'm gonna, I'm still gonna hunt as much as I can right. with with respect to her and and mm -hmm. you know help her out and be around and 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 whatnot but 
I'm going to stack up those brownie points for next year. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, and I, I, I'm thinking for next year, maybe it's going to be like a Ohio and Pennsylvania, the same. Mm-hmm. Then the, that was my original plan at the end of the year last year was before we knew we were having another one, another kid that I was going to hunt Pennsylvania and Ohio consecutive, mm-hmm. like the same bounce back and forth. Cause I'm so close. And yeah. Then I just knew my time was going to be was going to be limited, mm-hmm. and I just I don't know. It's just there's something in the back of my mind that I just I just don't want to be that far away with that young of a child at home. Yeah. And if if I if I do drive even a couple hours away, and I'm in the middle of nowhere hunting, mm-hmm. it's still going to be me a few hours before I can get home. So I think it's probably going to get put on hold for next year until next year. But I'll I'll probably definitely try to do that, and then I'll probably try to slip up to my buddy's place i told him i'm gonna crash on his in a spare room and he lives mm-hmm. like right at the like i said the border so and he knows both states pretty well so mm-hmm. a lot of people are like why the hell do you want to hunt new york i'm like oh well, it's, it's something new it's close it's not like it's because nobody else wants to hunt it apparently so i'll go and well, I, I spent a little time in New York. Uh, wasn't this last winter, but the winter before, I was up there on a company accusation or a, a accusation. Is that the right right word? I don't know. Um, but uh, we were around. What is it Binghamton? Mm-hmm. And uh, I got the chance one day to drive up to the to the Adirondacks, um, and that was really really cool. And then there was a there was a guy that his wife worked at that company that we were acquiring and he uh and i got the chance to go out with him on some of his private and some public that was kind of around that area and uh you know kind of showed me you know the the train around there you know some of the deer that he you know killed and you know things that he knew and you know it, there's going to be there's going to be an endless supply of you know new land for me to go you know chase around for the for the rest of my life and, and you know that's and that's really it, i guess i was just gonna make a make another bucket list like number one you know on the priority list is you know try to hunt something new you know try to have have a new experience you know i'm not really one to you know if i kill a deer in a spot under a certain situation you know it's like i've like in my earlier years like i've gone back and you know like repeated those things um which i think people should do mm-hmm. um, but it's just like for me now like if i can have success there and then it'll like you know start somewhere completely new you know from scratch and then you know find success eventually you know kind of like i did in kentucky um you know go from zero knowledge to you know to killing and you know that one just so happened to take 20 days um you know that's that's the stuff to me that you know really really you know stands out right. in my mind because it's just like you know i want to do the same thing in indiana i want to do the same thing in ohio i've had people ask me before you know hey you should try out pennsylvania it's just like eh. <laughs> <laughs> um you know there's so there's a lot of different places and a lot of different you know things i want to experience you know trains that i want to hunt and, and you know stuff like and, you know stuff like that yeah well chase i appreciate you coming on man it was a it was a good conversation definitely mm-hmm. took some stuff away from it that's for sure uh if anybody's looking to find you on any like social medias or anything like that where can they do that at? 
So you can be on uh, Facebook or Instagram. Uh, my name is Jace Allen. Uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, by my handle name if if you want. It's called uh, Nature of the Beast. Um, that's my pro profile on there. Uh, there's a there's a YouTube video out on the Whitetail Addictions uh, YouTube page for my 2021 season um, where I shot uh, three deer and then. The video of crabs is going to be coming out, I think, before deer season, but uh, this year. So um, we'll see whenever that comes out. But yeah, that's where you can find me. All right, so many. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching those uh, those videos, man. And, and best of luck to in the future. And thanks again for coming on, and everybody for turning into another episode of Origins of the Hunt podcast. And remember, never stop learning.